Hello, and welcome to the Two Guys, Four Balls podcast. Hello, and welcome to another Two Guys, Four Balls podcast. This is Patrick. With me, as always, is Julius. And we're talking NBA today. Um, we're going to go over the last week from March 7th to March 12th. Uh, we'll give some live updates of what's happening tonight. Um, so I know Julius really wants to talk about the DNPs, um, Do Not Plays, for those of you who don't know what that stands for. Um, and, you know, we're seeing it really take effect in the Western Conference, Julius, uh, with playoff seating and the play-in race. Um, so I'm gonna let you start the segment off because I know that this is new, near and dear to your heart. So uh, go ahead and uh, lay it on. So what, what are you not liking? What are you seeing? What What's your thoughts on the DNPs that we've been seeing a lot lately? Well, you know, we've talked before, and I've said before that when it comes to the Western Conference, pretty much ignore the seeds because once you talk about basically six through twelve, and you could probably even expand it a little more all these teams are within a couple games of each other. So heading into tonight, you've got the Timberwolves, Mavericks, Jazz, Thunder, Lakers, and Pelicans. Those are your 7 through 12 seeds right now. So those are all your teams who are right now fighting for the play-in. And when you think about all those teams, they're all, first of all, they're all within a game of each other heading into tonight. But none of them are close to full strength. And so... You know, I, I did give a sarcastic boo when you talked about the DMPs, but it's, it's just it's just frustrating and disappointing. Like, there's not a whole lot you can do about it in a lot of these cases, but it's just disappointing that, you know, you have these games that you're looking forward to. You have nationally televised games, games with a lot on the line in terms of seeding, but you're not seeing the star players. So, like tonight, we just saw Dallas and Memphis go at it for the second time in a row. And a couple weeks ago, that would have been a high-profile, fun matchup. But now we get Dallas and Memphis, and there's no Luka Doncic. He's dealing with a thigh issue that apparently has been lingering for a few weeks. There's no Kyrie Irving, who they say is dealing with foot soreness. I, I want to believe that, but we are talking about Kyrie Irving. He missed practice on last Friday for personal reasons he missed the practice on the 10th of march for personal reasons they said he was probable to play saturday and we haven't seen him since didn't see him for the saturday game didn't see him tonight so i'll give Kyrie the benefit of the doubt and say if they say foot soreness i'll go with foot soreness but it's you're always concerned with Kyrie one way or another about whether or not it's going to be out there so no luca no Kyrie, obviously no java rant for again that that's a totally avoidable situation. So this game that should have been fun, you're not getting any of the stars. And there's just been too much of that going on around the league. Again, there's, in some cases, not a whole lot you can do about it. If Luca's got a thigh issue that's been going on for weeks, not much you can do about it. If Kyrie's foot is really in bad shape, nothing you can do about it. But it's just, it's just tough to see these games with this much on the line and to not see the guys you want to see. Now, we saw some guys step up going back to the last time uh, Dallas Memphis played, not necessarily tonight, but uh, the game before, we saw Tim Hardaway Jr., Jaden Hardy, Josh Green. All these guys scored over 20 points against Memphis. 
And it's just another reminder of what I've been saying all along. And that doesn't even, you know, count Christian Wood. So you, you've got capable scores on this Mavericks team. And as I've said, since the trade was made to get Kyrie Irving, the Mavericks have two guards who can go for 40 each on any given night. But don't forget about these other guys. They are capable scorers. They've got to find a way to keep these guys integrated in the offense. These guys are showing every time they get a chance, they can put the ball in the basket. I'm not telling you a big three of Hardaway, Hardy, and Green is going to win a championship. So don't overreact to what I'm saying. But again, those are capable scores. When your help pieces, so to speak, are capable of putting up 20-point games, then that should be enough for two superstars, two players who I think most would say are top 10 in the league. Those guys should be able to carry the supporting cast pretty far. So I want to see what the Mavericks are going to do. But again, with these injuries, who, who knows where the Mavericks will end up right now? They're in eighth. Now, again, I was coming into tonight and with everything's bunched so tightly together, they lose tonight. They will fall potentially out of the plan, depending on the results of some other games. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of this. So I'll, I'll let you get in on, on Dallas and Memphis and, and hear your thoughts, Patrick, before we hop into other things, because this is a long, long list of injuries and absences we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, again, as you've talked about, and you've gone to Bucks game trying to see Giannis, and he's sitting on the bench, and you've gone to Bucks games and trying to get to see uh, your kids' favorite players, and 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 Drew Holiday, and Giannis, and, and everyone sitting on the bench, and Lamelo Ball before his significant injury. Um, you know, it's just every night, every night you feel like someone's sitting. You know, whether it's an A-list dude or whether it's even a B-list guy that people might want to go see. You don't know who someone's favorite player is. That's that's the thing that you always heard from Kobe and Michael and all the greats, right? Like. I don't know who came here to see me, and this is the only time they're ever going to get to see me, but I'm going to play because of it. And with this whole load management thing that, that we've been talking about for weeks and this new era of, of analytics and metrics and all these things, um, you can't teach your body without practicing it, right? you got to practice to teach your muscles and your body how to react to those movements. If you go zero days without practice and then you're like all right go run for 40 minutes jumping and cutting and putting all this pressure on your acls and mcls and ankles and feet your body's not going to be used to it and i understand that your body might be more broken down as you get older and then maybe it's a longevity thing maybe when you're 50 you want to still be able to walk and so i'm not saying and for mostly nba players they're not football players most nba players are still in relatively good health after their playing careers um you know, not like football where it takes a massive physical toll on your body. Um, but, you know, I don't see Michael Jordan really walking around with a limp, and he's in his 60s, and he played 40 minutes with the flu. So um, I just don't, you know, I, I don't know where the analytics and the numbers and all the research comes into play with what your eyes also tell you. I mean, there, there has to be some give and take because you can tell me to sit and I'm going to be healthier, but look at people like Kawhi. Look at people like Durant. Look at some of these guys who, back in the day, probably played a lot in the street ball and all that stuff coming up. But now they're telling like, "Oh, rest a little bit, and, and you'll be better." And I don't know, man. It's just it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And in the NBA, you obviously need knees and feet and ankles. And if those get messed up over and over again, you're not gonna be as good of a player as you used to be. Uh, I kind of feel bad for like a Gordon Hayward, right? 
averaging 23, 4, 5 points a game in his career before he gets to the Celtics, gets out of Utah, goes to the Celtics. First game with the Celtics, has that nasty leg injury. He's never been the same player since. Um, it's been years, and he's finally starting to come around with Charlotte, uh, where he's averaging like 16 points a game. Um, but still, that's not the same Gordon Hayward we saw before the injury, right? Gordon, Gordon Hayward was an all-star caliber player. Um, and, and again, the, the injuries just pile up. And, and again, I, again, I, I don't know when you say this is the information we have for what happens with sitting. And then we have all this information from the nineties and early two thousands. And I'm not even talking, people think every time we talk about this, we're talking about 40 years ago, even in like 2010, there were less DNPs than there are today. Um, and so, you know, 10 years ago, um, you know, 15 years ago, I don't know, man. Again, I, I feel like we need to we need to kind of balance it out. Like, okay, we got this information about we need to rest our bodies so this can heal, but we also, if you want them to rest, can't you do like light practicing? Don't can't you do like I'm not saying like let's run a full hour and a half practice for this guy, but can we get him out there for 30 minutes and just I don't again practice makes progress and and you need to train your body to be able to handle these situations. So, um. I think that's where the NBA is kind of losing their viewers. I don't want to say losing viewers, but that's where I think they're kind of losing um, casual fans and, and longtime fans because people just want to see the, the players play. And, and it's, it's kind of becoming this widely talked about thing now where before maybe they're getting away with it because the LeBrons would play and the Durants would play. But like you said, you got Giannis sitting. LeBron, well, LeBron's hurt, but... He sits sometimes even when he's not hurt. You got Kyrie, you got Steph, you got all the big names now. All of them sit uh, at some point during the season. And so for me, if that's what you're going to do, you might as well just shorten the season. They'll never have him because of the money, but um, I would rather them not play 82 games then if people are just going to sit, uh, is my personal opinion. You know, and unfortunately, even if you set aside the money, which I know you can't do, but even if you were to set aside the money and say, okay, instead of 82 games, uh, let's go with 72. Guys are still going to find a reason to sit. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's my thing. They're not playing 72 out of 82 games now. So if you reduce the season to 72 games, they'll find a way to play 60 or 58 <laughs> or something like that. So there, there's not a good answer because you just, you just can't replace – will and that that's will from players that's will from teams that's will from training staffs like everybody's playing a part in this it's not a hundred percent on the players and again some of this is completely inevitable some of this is just bad luck uh like i said kevin durant slipping during warm-ups and injuring himself that's just bad luck but it just seems like the stuff like that is going on all the time so again with these teams battling to get into the play-in and everybody's excited about the play-in now you know there's a lot of uncertainty about how the play-in would be received but now everybody seems to to really be on board with it mainly because it's keeping their favorite teams in the picture uh, and adding some suspense to the bottom of the playoff picture that wasn't necessarily there before but again when you look at these teams minnesota is in that seventh seed again these are standings as of before tonight's games minnesota in the seventh seed carl anthony towns hasn't played since november 28th there's no timetable for his return I'm not sure that they're accurately reporting what happened to him. At the time, it looked like he might have torn his Achilles. They're calling it a calf issue, but that's the same thing Golden State did, you know, when they rushed Kevin Durant back for the finals where he got hurt. So take your time with Carl Anthony Towns. 
but that's a star player missing from a team that could really use him right now. Dallas is sitting in that eighth seed. Talked about it. No Luka, no Kyrie. Both of them dealing with lingering injuries. Both of them have missed the last couple of games against Memphis. When do they get back? If they're back, how healthy are they? What else might happen with them? No, Utah Jazz. Shockingly, you know, you keep waiting for the Jazz to go away, and they just keep somehow lingering and hanging around in that play-in picture. They've got an injured backcourt. Jordan Clarkson's missed a few games with the sprained finger, and Colin Sexton still isn't back. The same Colin Sexton who got hurt before the All-Star break, yet somehow participated completely in the skills challenge, is not back several weeks later. I just don't understand the idiocy behind that. I'm sorry. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about as a fan. If you're that injured, then just sit down. Nobody nobody is dying to see Colin Sexton in a skills challenge. The, the All-Star Weekend could have been just fine without him participating in that. So to have him out there for that, and then, again, it's been weeks since the All-Star break. And the Jazz, even though you know they don't necessarily have champ- championship aspirations right now, they're well in the playoff picture. Their guys are competing hard. And Colin Sexton's unavailable after participating in All-Star Weekend. It makes zero sense. Oklahoma City's in that 10 spot. Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been in and out of the lineup some lately. Again, Gilgis-Alexander, one of the absolute best two-way players in basketball, giving you 30 points a game and one of the league leaders in deflections on the defensive end. So he's giving it to you in every way possible. He also can initiate the offense along with Josh Giddy at times. I mean, he's missed to do it all for Oklahoma City. But he's been in and out certainly since the All-Star break. He's had a combination of issues going on. He's been sick and missed some games. Uh, lately, he's been dealing with an abdomen issue, and that's apparently been an on-again, off-again, or a lingering type of injury. But again, Gilgis Alexander, one of the brightest young stars in the league, not in there when Oklahoma City's trying to make this playoff push. The Lakers in that 11th seed, obviously LeBron James is hurt. He's got a foot issue again. A guy 38 years old, year 20. You kind of expect injuries to some degree. And so, it's you know, again, unfortunate. Not much you can do about it. But again, another superstar player, another face-of-the-league-type player, not on the court in pivotal games for his team. And then New Orleans is sitting in the 12th spot. Uh, Brandon Ingram is back out of the lineup again, and it seems like every time he gets into a rhythm for a few games, he gets knocked out with something else, whether it's a toe issue or right now an ankle issue. It just seems like there's something always going on with Ingram this year. And, of course, Zion Williamson been out since early January because of a hamstring issue that, you know, every update is it's not good. So all of these teams with critical players to their rosters, in most cases, with the exception of Utah, we're talking about legitimate superstar players, are just out of the lineup. And so when you get a matchup between the Pelicans and the Blazers that we saw recently. Again, that's another matchup where even though you're talking about two teams in the bottom half of the Western Conference, on paper, you're excited. That That's a matchup that ideally, like if it was being played on NBA 2K, you'd have Zion Williamson. You'd have Brandon Ingram. You'd have Damian Lillard on the Portland side. All of those players missed the, the game between the Pelicans and the Blazers. Now, it was fun. If you're, if you're just a fan of basketball, it was fun watching Kenneth Murphy III, a.k.a. Trey Murphy, go off for 41 points and nine three-pointers to help the Pelicans beat the Blazers. That was fun to watch if you're a basketball fan. But if you're here to see the Stars play 
you're just not seeing them right now. And again, I don't know what to do about it. What I do know is whatever they're doing to try to prevent injuries isn't working because there's too many guys out. And again, you talk about reducing the season. We still have another, in most cases, 15, 17 or so games left for teams in the season. So we've seen this level of attrition 65 or so games in. So they can't even make it through a 65-game season, let alone 82, with the way they're training right now. So, again, I don't want to blame people for getting injured, but somebody's doing something wrong because there are way too many injuries going on in the league right now to key players, to star players, to teams that are supposed to be trying to battle for postseason position. Yeah, and then, I mean... Even like Jalen Brunson, if we're going to, we talk about all the Western, but even in the East, you got Jalen Brunson who's hurt. Uh, you got Darius Garland hurt. You know, and then some people may not think those are super, but they are. Like those, like to me, Darius Garland and Jalen Brunson are two great point guards in this league. Um, you know, Embiid has sat a couple games here and there for the 76ers. Uh, again, we've already talked about the Bucks. We've talked about the Celtics. We had Tatum sit a couple games. We had uh, Jalen Brown with his face. I mean, that's not really on him. Uh, but you know, you just you have these these teams even in the East. You have you have players sitting in the East, and it's 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 just you know. Again, I, I think you have to look at all the analytics and all the information you're getting from the health side. You got to look at all the stuff that you're getting uh, from just watching the games and the players and how their bodies are reacting to getting all of this rest and not as heavy of practice minutes and things like that, and see where's a happy happy medium. You know, because um, there's just like you said, it's too much attrition. There's too there's too much. There's just too many injuries. I f- at least I feel like. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not looking at the numbers. So, but I just feel like there's more injuries now than there were ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. And it just with the way medical science and you and you always hear about it's 2023. Look at how far medical science has come. I feel like that shouldn't be the case. You know, um, ESPN used to have this thing called sports science. So, like, I mean, they have sciences and they have all these people studying things. I feel like you should be able to figure out why this is happening. Shifting gears. That, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Would be nice. I, I was gonna say that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears. We're gonna just uh, talk about uh, NBA and just kind of who's hot, who's not. Um, kind of you know some of these guys who got traded at the trade deadline. What's been going on with them? Um, we have a couple weeks of data now versus you know our first initial reactions, and um, we'll just start in the East. Uh, Milwaukee back in the one seed after their last ten. They're eight and two. Uh, the Boston Celtics had a couple L's there in a little bit, but they're six and four in their last ten. And then right behind them is Philly uh, on a five-game win streak uh, with Embiid hitting a buzzer beater. That was a nice, nice shot. Um, you know, that was a uh, against uh, Nurkic, Joseph Nurkic, Joseph Nurkic uh, from the Trailblazers. It was, it was a, it was a nice. He caught it in the in the top of the post. Hit a nice little shimmy shake and, and came back. Uh, seven foot two uh, Kobe, Michael Jordan esque. Um, uh, it was uh, it was a good shot. I'm, I'm glad he made it. Uh, it was it was it was a good big big win for the 76ers because they were down by 20 or something at, at one point in that game. Uh, again to the Trailblazers. Um, you know uh, I, I'm rooting I'm rooting for your Pacers and I'm calling them your Pacers because you uh, you have some guys on that team that you like, but. They're six yes. and four in their last ten. They're right there for the tenth, tenth seed in uh, in the East. And I, I don't want to. And we're in Washington. I don't want to see the Wizards, and I don't want to see the Bulls in the play. And um, I would rather see the Pacers. 
Um, or even if they get hot enough, shockingly, the Magic are somehow still alive for a play-in spot. Um, no, no, no. We're, we're not doing that. <laughs> yes, I want to see the Magic rather than the Wizards or the Bulls. Um, personally, I'd rather see young guys who have nothing to lose going out there and just trying to win a game versus... I don't need to see the Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Vucevic combo anymore. It's clearly not working. Um, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the Beal Porzingis Kuzma. I mean, Porzingis is having a hell of a season. He he's definitely oh, yeah. having New York Nick type vibes, unicorn type vibes this year, which is great for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not a winning combination. Those three guys just are not getting it done as a unit to to make any type of noise in the playoffs. Um, so I would rather have someone fun in there, like the, like a young Pacers team or a young magic team versus some of these older vets, uh, that were just thrown together and, and they and they can barely even get into the play in. So, um, so yeah, what, what's, what's going on? Oh, and I want to talk about Wiseman. Wiseman, we talked about him getting traded from, from the, uh, Warriors and to the Pistons mm-hmm. and he's had a couple double doubles and, and he's, and he got he got the Pistons a W the other day. You know he had 18 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, he's having again. It's the it's it's the Pistons, so you're going to get more usage than you were with the Warriors. But um, at least he's putting up numbers. It's nice to see him actually on the court playing basketball, Julius. Yes, sir. So he talked about the Bucks, and somehow, some way, they've managed to keep their winning ways going uh, for the most part. Despite the fact that Giannis, we, we talked about him and been missing games where I, you know, I've attended two Bucks games this year. Giannis hasn't played neither. Giannis Antetokounmpo has not played in the last three games with a hand issue. So again, just it's injuries all over the place. So again, you get a primetime matchup on Saturday night, primetime nationally televised between the Bucks and Warriors. You know, you're excited because oh, Stephen Curry's back from his own injury, right? You know, he's just getting back into the mix. And, and then you lose Giannis. It's like you can't even have a nationally televised game where you have all the stars that you would normally want to promote for the games. So naturally, uh, the Warriors win that game because they're at home. <laughs> you know, the Warriors never lose at home, never went on the road. So, of course, they kept that going, even though that was a close game. The overtime loss despite no Giannis. So, you know, who knows how that game would have gone had until the Kumbo been available. But, um uh, the Bucks uh, get, get a stumble there without their star player. Again, Holiday, Lopez, shout out to them. They are both playing extremely good basketball. Holiday, obviously, an all-star this year. Brooke Lopez, a 3-and-D center. And, you know, you just don't hear too much <laughs> of that, but that, that's, that's what he does for that team. So, uh, you know, appreciate what both of those guys are doing, and, you know, they help make that a competitive game. But uh, Stephen Curry just been on fire since he came back from injury. Uh four games since returning from his leg issue. He has 25 three-pointers made in his four games since he's been back. And, you know, for Stephen Curry, that's normal. The, the, these numbers are just ridiculous. And it's, it's just crazy that uh, Stephen Curry has normalized uh, numbers to that are that crazy. I mean, averaging over six threes a game after you miss several weeks uh, from injury, that, again, that's insane even for this era where we're seeing more and more three-pointers attempted than ever. Stephen Curry continues uh, to go crazy. Uh, you talked about the Sixers, and yes, Joel Embiid continues to try to stamp an MVP case, and part of stamping that MVP case is to have MVP moments, and certainly that tough fadeaway uh, to win the game against Portland, that, that's a way to get your name on the map. 
Um, a lot of it, of course, is going to come down to statistics and standings. And, you know, that's not necessarily going to work in, in Bede's favor, even, even though he's got a great chance at leading the league in scoring this year. But uh, people like triple-doubles from certain players, so you know it's going to be tough for Embiid to overcome the statistical debate against Jokic. But as long as Embiid continues to have moments like that, continues to put the ball in the basket at the clip he's doing, uh, it's going to be hard to, to deny him. Just want to give a quick shout-out to James Harden. Because, you know, with James Harden, we talk about him you know, like he's a thing of the past. Uh, just because he's no longer the James Harden who's leading the league and scoring and giving you 50-point triple-doubles anymore. James Harden is still getting the job done. And in the, his last four games, now Harden has also missed a game recently for whatever reason. It's, it's the modern NBA, so it seems like you have to miss at least one out of every five. And in the four games Harden has played in, he's had 52 assists and eight turnovers. That includes a 20-assist game against my Pacers. Why don't we call James Harden a pure point guard? You know, I, I, you hear that term all the time when it comes to like a Chris Paul. If Chris Paul had 52 assists and eight turnovers over his last four games, you wouldn't hear the end of it. You know, somebody like Rajon Rondo gets that pure point guard late. That, that, that's, that's one of the worst labels in sports. Because all I hear when somebody says pure point guard is a guy who can do less. Like James Harden is not considered a pure point guard because we remember him scoring 40 and 50 points. But if you can't score more than 10 or 12 points, then you're a pure point guard. So somehow, some way we've made it like 30 points and 10 assists is bad. 11 points and 10 assists is pure. <laughs> I just don't understand it, but I just want to give that appreciation to James Harden because he has truly, over the last several years, this is nothing new. Over the last several years, James Harden has been one of the best facilitators and passers in basketball, and I just want to take a moment to give him his flowers. It's easy to uh, criticize the lack of defense he had years ago. It's easy to criticize the fact that the man has had some letdowns in the postseason. But you got to acknowledge brilliant basketball sometimes, so I just want to do that when it comes to James Harden. I did mention my Pacers. It's a shame because if another, that's another team. If they could be remotely healthy and stay that way, the Pacers might not even have to worry about the play. They might be a top six team in the East if they could just keep their guys on the court, specifically Halliburton. Unfortunately, Tyrese Halliburton has missed the last couple games, including tonight with a, a lingering knee issue and miles Turner, another three and D center uh, has missed the last couple games with a back issue. So it seems like every time things start to go a little bit right for the Pacers, you talked about their record in the last 10 games, they get set back with some type of injury issue. So hopefully these are nothing long-term. They've got guys who have stepped up. Isaiah Jackson tends to play well uh, when miles Turner is out. He had a big game a couple days ago. So hopefully he keeps that going. Uh, TJ McConnell's also been out the last couple of games for the Pacers, so they've been down to having to count on the rookie Andrew Nimart uh, to run the point, and that's been kind of an up-and-down situation, but he's at least had some moments. He's just far from being a Tyrese Halliburton. So, you know, the Pacers, they're an intriguing team. If they could just be healthy, if they could get in into the play and healthy, they could make a little run and, and get a 7 or 8 seed. But uh, they just got to be able to get their guys on the court. 
Uh, and you mentioned James Wiseman. And again, <laughs> I hate to keep bringing up injuries, but that, that's the theme around the NBA now. Uh, when the trade was made for James Wiseman, I said that, you know, he's he's been a guy that we've talked about in theory, being a good player. We hadn't seen it yet. And I wasn't sure what kind of opportunity he'd get in Detroit because they have multiple big men who are all young, who are all vying for playing time. But since then, Isaiah Stewart got injured. He's likely out for the season. Marvin Bagley's dealing with an injury. Don't know how long he's going to be out. The last updates I saw weren't too encouraging. And Jalen Duran, their rookie big man, is just coming back from an injury of his own. So now what looked like it was going to be a crowded front court has become a barren front front court. And as a result, James Wise has been able to get more minutes and more opportunity than I thought he might get in Detroit. And, you know, he's doing a decent job. He's a little, still a little up and down, but he's he's been steady on the boards. Offense is kind of coming gone. But he's definitely been way more productive with Detroit than he was with Golden State, where he wasn't even getting any minutes and half the time he was in the G League or something like that. So it's good to see Wiseman get his consistent minutes. We'll see where it goes. But for now, things are going well. But again, you don't love it if you're the Pistons that things are going well because of the circumstances around Wiseman, because all the other guys who you have at the position haven't been available. Yeah, moving over to the Western Conference. I know Julius touched on Steph Curry's play, so I won't even touch on that. He's just been on fire. Um, the Nuggets Ridiculous. Nuggets are on a three-game losing streak and still have a five-game lead in the West. Um, <laughs> but their losing streak is to the Bulls, Spurs, and Nets. So not teams you want to be losing to. Yeah, a um, little concern, a little concern. When you, um, Especially the Spurs. <laughs> when, you, when you're trying to get the one seed... Um, Jokic has been playing out of his mind, though. Pretty sure he had a 30-point triple-double in one of those games. Um, oh, yeah. Um, he's been scoring a lot more than he has recently in those three games. Uh, but then he also let Spurs players score on him. So, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, the thing about the MVP debate, because you brought this up, is it going to be Embiid? Is it going to be Jokic? Uh, I wouldn't be mad at either of the guys. I think they both have deserving numbers and deserving stats for MVP. Um, and if you value defense more, you probably like Embiid more. If you value offense and setting your teammates up and and all that, you're going to go with Jokic. Um, and since we obviously know the league doesn't care about defense anymore, uh, that's why Jokic is probably in the lead, they say, sources, whoever the sources are, say that he is in the lead for MVP. Uh, again, he is having a great season, and so is Embiid. I don't take anything away from Embiid. I'm not taking anything away from Jokic. Um, and you can make everyone... It's, uh, the funniest The funniest argument to me, though, is when people are like, he's averaging like 10 more points a game than Jokic, and then you're just... But if you want to throw in assists, and if Jokic has, we'll say, I think he has 10, he's averaging 10 assists... A game that's at minimum that's at minimum <laughs> twenty points. If you only score two point baskets off all of his assists, that's twenty more points. So uh, it's just a weird, weird way people look at it. Like if it, only you can score the ball, that's why I feel like people aren't good at passing anymore. Um, it's also why people like John Stockton don't don't get called good basketball players. All he did was pass to Carl Malone. Well, that's not true since he's in, he was in the top fifty for scoring. I think he recently fell out all the time. I think he's at like 52 now. But 
to be in the top 50 all time in the NBA of scoring and also lead all time in assists by by a, mile. By a long, <laughs> long, 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 long number. Um, just goes to show how good of a basketball player you are. I don't understand why you're only good if you can score. And again, I know that is the name of the game, but again, there are teams in this league who have won championships based on, I mean, yes, you obviously have to score more points than your opponent, but their opponent isn't scoring a lot of a points. So um, you look at the Bucks; they're a good defensive team. When they won their championship, it was with good defense. Um, the bad, the bad boy Pistons was not even that far. The other Pistons with Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, they didn't really have a 30-point, 25-point-per-game score, and they went to back-to-back championships. So even the Celtics, even with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, their team with Rondo and Perkins and all of them and Tony Allen – based on defense. So, um, again, there are championship teams that are good defensive teams. Um, even look at the Raptors. Most recently. I understand the Warriors were super decimated, but uh, the, the Raptors made their way off of good defense. I mean, we're not saying, sitting here saying Kyle Lowry is the greatest scorer of all time. Um, so, again, um, Again, it's, it's whatever you what whatever your preference is. I, I get that there's a narrative that Jokic is white, so that's why he gets the MVP votes. Um, and there and there was and Kendrick Perkins said if he was black, he wouldn't get MVP P votes, which I don't think is true. But I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know how the people vote. But Kendrick Perkins is also a voter. So are you saying you voted for Jokic because he's white? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Like you're you are an actual voter. So. Um, <laughs> It's just it's just funny to hear some of these people say some of the things that they say, um, but I mean I think Jokic is one of the best big men I've ever seen play. I think Embiid is one of the best bigs I've ever seen play. So mm-hmm. um, again, I I I think they're top tier talents in the NBA. I don't know why we have to downplay one to make the other one seem greater than what they are. They're both, in my opinion, when I watch them, great players to watch. And I'm not saying they're saying Jokic is going to stop anybody on the defensive end. You're crazy if you think that's the case. But he's also he's so good at passing. I think he's probably the I'm not even going to say probably anymore. He is the best passing center of all time in the NBA that he can do so much for you on the offensive end besides just score. And he's still putting up 26 points a game or something. So it's not like he's getting 18 points a game. I mean, it, he just does so much on the offensive end. And then and then, like I said, Embiid also does great on the defensive end. But no, for everyone who says Jokic can't jump and do all these things, he has more rebounds than Embiid, and Embiid's also 7-2. So, I mean, it's not like, again, it's whatever your preference is, you know. But as Julia said, some people have inf- have become infatuated with the triple doubles that Jokic puts up. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do more with, I think, with Russell Westbrook, people are like, oh, you're stat padding for rebounds. I think because Jokic is so big, they're like, oh, he's going to get rebounds. He can get points. I think the assists from a big man is what people have become infatuated with because they've never seen a, a, a seven-foot dude be able to pass that way. That's just my opinion. Um, but I always want to give a shout-out to the Kings when I can. Eight and two in their last ten. Hooping. Uh, they're up into the second seed. Um, and and they just keep winning games. And they're a fun team to watch. Um. And everyone was making fun of the Clippers uh, recently, and now they're, they've won three in a row. So shout out to the Clippers up to fifth uh, in the West. And then 
The Suns, you're going to have to watch them. The, the, the few games Durant's played with them, they looked, un, I don't want to say unstoppable, but uh, him and Booker looked like a really good one-two combo. And um, without Durant there, they have no depth. So it's going to be a struggle until he gets back. So let's see how far they fall or if they can keep winning. Um, because, again, they traded away a lot of their depth just to get Durant. And now that he's hurt, that starting five doesn't look as good as it did with Durant there. Um, And then Julius has already touched on pretty much 6 through 12, so I won't even get into that on the Western Conference. But, yeah, Julius, what what are your thoughts on the Western Conference? I know we kind of touched on it, but uh, there's some good stories here. I know you want to talk more about Murray uh, with the Kings um, and and some other guys over over on that side. Yeah, so the Western Conference, because of all the injuries you've talked about, it's become a battle of attrition. And you talked about the fact that the Nuggets are sitting right there at the top, despite the fact that they've lost three games in a row. They still have a comfortable lead in the one spot. And a lot of that, a lot of that is Nikola Jokic. I don't want to disparage him in any way, but a lot of that is the fact that Denver has been as healthy as any team in the West. And, you know, there's an irony there, of course, because Denver has dealt with injuries in the past the recent past to Michael Porter Jr. to Jamal Murray. The issue with Denver plenty of times has been, can they keep their guys on the court? Now this year, Denver's the team that's not having to deal with injury issues. They're not having to deal with their stars being suspended or sent away or anything like that. So now you have this healthy Nuggets team and they're able to kind of run away by default. Uh, again, you don't you don't like to see the bad losses. As a Spurs fan, I certainly don't like to see the Nuggets, Nuggets losing to the Spurs. We don't need that win, okay? <laughs> so at least step up against the Spurs, Nuggets. Come on, do that for me. Uh, over the course of 82 games, at some point, you're going to hit a three-game skid. At some point, you're going to have, I don't care how good you are, you're going to have a stretch where you don't play your best basketball. I don't, I don't care if you're a 70-win team. You're not necessarily going to lose three games in a row, but you have three games in a row where you look vulnerable. You're not playing your best basketball. It happens. So, again, you don't like who the Nuggets have been struggling with and losing to recently, but I'm not overly concerned. And I do think when it comes to the MVP race, there's kind of an overreaction out of every game. You know, all of a sudden, like if Nikola Jokic was your MVP before they lost three games in a row, he should be your MVP now. Like, <laughs> there's nothing that changed that drastically in the last three games. Likewise, if Joel Embiid was your MVP three games ago, he should still be now. It, it shouldn't just be oh, Philadelphia's on a five-game winning streak and Denver's on a three-game losing streak, so Embiid's the MVP this week. If it's that close, <laughs> then don't have an MVP vote right now. <laughs> you have time before the season's over before you have to make up your mind. So I wanted to say that about the Nuggets. I'm glad we continue to shout at the Sacramento Kings. And again, a team that's just stayed healthy. Staying healthy is everything in the Western Conference right now. So when you have De'Aaron Fox having a career season and staying on the court, something he's had issues with from time to time. He hasn't been super injury-prone, but he's missed some games here and there. He's been on the court. DeMontis Sabonis has been widely available for the majority of the season. Like I said, Keegan Murray is out there providing three-pointers providing floor space, and he's not just like a three-point specialist. Keegan Murray has just a very smooth offensive game. He's he's somebody that you can look at in year one and say, that guy's going to have no problem averaging 20 a game once he matures that much more in the league. So uh, you've got a guy like that. You've got excellent role players doing their parts. We talked about Kevin Herter and the floor spacing he provides. 
Uh, we talk about somebody like Harrison Barnes. I don't like giving a Tar Heel too much credit, but Harrison Barnes is that quiet guy that, you know, he, he doesn't have too many spectacular games with all the, the help and all the scoring that's around. But he's, he's going to quietly get you that, that 12, 14 points, those five or six rebounds. He just, he just plays his role perfectly in this team as a low-usage guy who can complement the pieces around him. Uh, Malik Monk's been a little quiet lately, but again, you have that threat coming off the bench of a guy who we know can explode any given game. So the Kings have a lot going in their favor. They they don't look like a young team. They they look like an experienced team. They look like a team that thrives uh, when the going gets tough. So you like seeing that from them. And again, as, as long as you can stay healthy in the Western Conference, that's more than half the battle. So the Kings have found themselves ascending up to basically second place. Uh, they're going back and forth with Memphis for that number two spot. Uh, but if you look at what Memphis is dealing with, not, not just the John Morant being out, Steven Adams announced that he was pretty much out for the rest of the regular season. We know Brandon Clark's going to be out for the season. So they've lost plenty of depth up front. They're counting on guys who they didn't necessarily want to count on for huge minutes this year. And so you got to like Sacramento's chances in that race for the two seed with Memphis, as long as Sacramento can stay healthy. So uh, Kings keep playing well. He, Kings continue to keep their bodies on the floor. Mike Brown continues to get uh, the recognition he deserves. And then sometimes it takes being in this type of situation. If you're Mike Brown, you have the privilege of coaching LeBron James, but as a coach, you're, you're never going to get credit for coaching LeBron James. You see him having success now with a team that doesn't have that that top five kind of player. Again, De'Aaron Fox is having an amazing season, but the Kings don't have that that top, top tier player. And so to see Mike Brown having success there, again, I don't want to give him all the credit because it's the players on the court doing it. But it's just good to see that Mike Brown is, is proven that, yeah, I'm, I'm at least competent at what I'm doing here. Uh, so credit to him. And uh, just one more team I want to mention out of the, the West. You know, again, we talk about all these injuries, all these guys who are out. Obviously, LeBron James still out. Kevin Durant still out dealing with that ankle injury. Again, that flute uh, slip during warm-ups. You know who's been on the court almost every night since January 30th? Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> you know, the, the, the guy who everybody's always ready to make fun of for missing games, despite the fact that he's a two-time champion, despite the fact that he's a two-time finals MVP, despite the fact that the two teams he's left have both been irrelevant since his departure. Kawhi Leonard has deserved more respect for a long time, but people just laugh. Ah, oh, look, Kawhi Leonard's missed another game. Ah, oh, he played 40 minutes last night. He's going to play tonight. Kawhi Leonard's out here when other guys aren't. And it's not just that he's been on the court. Since January 30th, he's averaging 37 minutes a game. He's had one of the heaviest workloads out of any player in the NBA over the last month and a half. And he's averaging 28 points a game while he's doing it, an efficient 28 points a game. So I just want to shout out Kawhi Leonard because he's, he's just forgotten. People have kind of just wanted him to lose. And I guess it's because he doesn't give them what they want from a personality perspective. And of course, once Russell Westbrook joins the fold, they definitely want you to lose. But Kawhi Leonard has done his thing. The Clippers are starting to look a little better. Again, people talk about, oh, they, they were bad after getting Russell Westbrook. Again, they got Russell Westbrook. They got Mason Plumley. They got Bones Highland. They got Eric Gordon. They are incorporating several pieces into the rotation. That's like half their rotation right there, almost. 
that they're all trying to incorporate that all came from different places. It's not like these guys came together from another team, you know, like a Jared Vanderbilt and a Malik Beasley, guys who are used to playing together. No, these guys came from all different places and try to incorporate themselves along two star players who are high usage players. That's going to take some time. The Clippers look better now. I'm not telling you they're going to win a championship or anything like that. I don't think that team has that because I don't think they have that third guy. But the Clippers are a team that's trending on the way up. They have a much higher use um, offensive rating when Westbrook's on the floor versus when he's off. So that's an encouraging sign for that team. They just have to, again, try to kind of keep him reeled in as best you can. You know he's going to take a wild shot here and there. Uh, but as long as he minimizes the bad three-pointers and then trying not to force the ball too much or force the issue too much, you just let Kawhi Leonard be the lead. Uh, Paul George has told you himself he's comfortable being the number two. That, that's where he excels. So as long as those guys keep getting the job done, these guys got to play defense. We've talked about that since day one. Their defensive effort has to be there. They got two guys. Their two best players are supposed to be two-way guys. They got to start showing that for them. But the Clippers look a little better. And you can always tell when the Clippers are playing better because they get talked about a lot less. Just real quickly, a couple other NBA notes. Uh, we had a game recently between the Lakers and the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks able to beat the Lakers without Jalen Brunson. Again, you mentioned Jalen Brunson as another star player who's, who's out right now and you know, who knows how long that's going to be. He's got a lingering foot issue. He's played one half of the last five games for the Knicks. So uh, you're concerned because Brunson is a, not just that he's a star player, but he's one of the toughest players in the league. He's played through other injuries throughout the course of the season. So the fact that he can't play through this foot issue is a concern. But uh, the Knicks, they're, they're trying to hang in there. They're trying to keep the ship right. They had a couple of losses on the road before uh, the Lakers game. They uh, lost to the Kings, lost to the Clippers. So uh, the Knicks needed this win against the Lakers. They were able to get it. Uh, R.J. Barrett is certainly taking advantage of the absence of Jalen Brunson. Uh, R.J. Barrett had 30 points on 27 of field goal attempts against the Lakers. The 27 field goal attempts are season high for R.J. Barrett. So not, not the most efficient scoring from Barrett, but uh, certainly getting placed into a more high-usage role without Brunson. And uh, for R.J. Barrett, he scored 25 or more points in four of the last five games. He also has 20 or more field goal attempts in four of the last five games. So R.J. Barrett is getting his shots up in the absence of Jalen Brunson. Uh, again, for the Lakers, they're trying to figure it out uh, from one game to the next without LeBron James as they incorporate new pieces. D'Angelo Russell finally back from his ankle injury. In his two games since he's been back, D'Angelo Russell has averaged 30 and a half points on 64% shooting with 11 threes, also perfect from the free throw line, while averaging five rebounds and eight and a half assists. So for the last two games, D'Angelo Russell has been the best player in the world. And considering that Lakers fans and LeBron's and LeBron fans, and yes, they're not one and the same, it's, it's an amazing dynamic. Laker fans and LeBron fans are separate, but they're forced to have to cheer for the same side here. They have not been happy with their point guards, and that's not just Russell Westbrook. They're also mad with Patrick Beverly, too. So now both those guys are gone, too, the guys who were the problem for the Lakers, uh, along with Kendrick Nunn, who was another guy they got frustrated with at the point guard position. Now you got D'Angelo Russell coming in here and playing like college Pete Maravich. <laughs> and so uh, he's, he's getting all the love. D'Angelo Russell at least for right this moment, probably the second most 
popular player in the NBA behind LeBron James. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just touch on real quick, the Toronto Raptors. One in four in the month of March. They've been frustrated lately. You remember Nick Nurse? Remember when he was uh, the reason why the Raptors won that championship? Remember when all the Raptors had to do was replace uh, Dwayne Casey, even though he was the coach of the year, and get Nick Nurse, and they're automatically champions? You know, people tried to say that wasn't Kawhi Leonard. That was Nick Nurse. Uh, how's, how's that whole Nick Nurse is a genius thing looking since Kawhi Leonard left Toronto? Uh, anyway, again, Raptors won in four of their last five games. Scotty Barnes had a very questionable ejection. It looked like he was talking either to himself or a teammate. And he didn't have a technical foul, and he was just ejected. Not, not sure what was going on in that game against the Nuggets. Uh, the Raptors end up losing a close game to the Nuggets. They probably were going to lose that game anyway, I guess. But for Barnes to get ejected there, it was weird. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I've never seen a player be that vocal and that direct in a press conference to trash the referees. He said he was going to take the fine. He got fined 35000 And based on what he said and how he said it with his chest, I'm sure he would happily pay that $35,000. i have never seen a player that quick to call out a ref by name and to use the language that Van Bleep used throughout the press conference. It wasn't just one or two words. There were about five or six different bleeps in there. I'm not saying Fred Van Bleep said anything wrong. A lot of players, I'm sure, agree with what he said, because most of what he said was, you know, these referees, they want to kind of be famous. They want to try to take over games and act like people are there to see them. There's a lot of validity to what Van Bleet said, but it just it just speaks to how things are going in Toronto, because you, you don't have that type of press conference when things are going well. But um, if you want some entertainment, if you missed that press, the press conference, check out Van Bleet's comments on the officiating. And after seeing that Scotty Barnes ejection, you, you feel like he has a couple of valid points. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. moved back to a six-man role after the Raptors got back to full strength, getting teams missing players. Van Vliet's missed some games. OG Ananobi missed a lot of games before the trade deadline. So Gary Trent Jr. had been starting for a lot of the season. He's coming off the bench now in a six-man role, not going well. His last seven games, he's shooting 36% from the field. In the last two games, he's two for 20. Now that, that sounds like a Julius Jefferson type of field goal percentage right there. So you don't want to see that in the NBA. And that just, again, speaks to the Raptors' struggles to just get anything consistent going this year or at any point since they lost Kawhi Leonard. And just some final thoughts on the NBA this week. Uh, they said John Morant entered a counseling program in Florida. So hopefully whatever's going on with him, uh, he gets the help or treatment or whatever he needs uh, for his own personal reasons. Uh, also, just one that we talked about last week, want to talk about again with uh, Andrew Wiggins, hopefully whatever's going on there. Um, it's, he's doing, he's doing whatever is best for him. Right. Uh, yep. you know, basketball or a job or anything, you know, if it was me and my job or if, it, or if it's a basketball player, you know, a job is a job, but your family or your personal life is your personal life. And that normally comes first for me anyway. So just hoping these guys can get the help or get, get through whatever they're going through and just hopefully, you know, all prayers and love out to those guys. So, uh, just wishing the best for them and, and hopefully, uh, they both can come back sooner uh, rather than later. As always, Julius and I appreciate y'all giving us a listen. If you want to follow us, uh, we are at Two Guys Four Balls Podcast, and that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we always have some new content. Uh, definitely links to uh, the podcast on there, um, and I think we're gonna, you know, maybe do a bracket or two. 
uh, come NCAA time. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have some fresh stuff going on on the social media. So, again, as always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Two Guys, Four Balls podcast.